Welcome to the Better Together Life podcast. This is the podcast for the suburban family who wants to quit the rat race and return to the land. Number one question we get, how do you do what you do? It involves a lot of things, but let's like do a good old fashioned rewind today and talk about how we came from being a family in the suburbs of Houston to living on seven acres in central Texas with no experience. Let's talk about that today where we came from. We're going to talk about how we, the, the whole story, the background of the suburban family that the quit the impetus ru- of this move. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So it's going to gonna... be the ultimate where we started, like how it started and how it's going. Cause I think that's exciting. So well, what made us decide it? Maybe even like what our biggest argument was in getting here, like, Knockdown, drag out, Brotherton's on the loose argument. Because our story is the suburban family that quit the rat race yeah. and returned to the land. So we're doing all suburban the arc. family. This is what you would call in nerd world the Genesis story, right? Yes. Like if we were a Marvel comic, this would be our Genesis. This would be the Thanos Genesis. Dun, 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 dun. I, I, Did you just take our jingle and like go put it minor? Into... Like that's like the yeah. dark, like like Batman. Okay, babe. So, what's new on the homestead? Oh, I love this segment. So what's new on the homestead right now is that we have ducks, y'all. We have the cutest little runnerist. Like ducks look like the cuteness of when a puppy goes up on its hind legs and paws at you like give me a treat. Ducks just live that life. They're up. They're just like not like little chickens are, are shorty little squatties. And these ducks are like, give me attention. Well, because I got... Love oh, me. They're the runner Rub my ducks. belly. They, and they walk around with a little wobble in their head. Like, they are the cutest little yellow fluffs you have ever seen. Ours don't love us yet, but they will love us. Well, we got to figure that. We got to get them on the ground. We, we do. We really have and to. just let them crawl over us and eat little bugs mother? from our hands. Exactly. We got to get them to That's imprint. what I thought of. I know. Are you my mother? Yeah. Who knew the ducks imprinted when you read that and you were like six years old? No one. But at 37, you're very clear about what Seuss was doing there. So it is the runner ducks mm-hmm. that's why they look this way that's why they're super tall and yes like just cute and awesome they I look saw... like they're trying to impress us and i really love them and they just do it the whole time so it's I not know. like the uh muscovy ducks that are just what you see at a pond at a public pond like they're that that are short and waddly which those mm-hmm. are still cute waddles are cute yeah but they these, but these have are a, tall waddlers is a tall waddle. so the runner duck is yes choice when it comes to cuteness so we actually after we do this i need to go check their water because i haven't gotten i haven't done the watering for anybody yet because it's just been a busy day so those are the things that i I agree with ducks are different 
ducks, you have to, they go through their water. They're really they're messy. Smelly. They are smelly. Like the flies are kind of getting in. So we got to keep their bedding fresh. Mm-hmm. I'm probably going to need to muck it out this weekend. And so, fewer do more damage. Yes, you are correct. Because we only have 10 in there. And it's a smaller one, but there's only 10 in there when the other one has like 25. And they're still doing good. And we have to do the the chopped straw. We learned that from Morgan, from Morgan for Goldshaw Farm, that that's a better way. And I, I took his method of doing, so instead of, so, so for their water, you don't want them to be able to play in the water, especially right now because they don't have the feathers. But then if they play in the water, they're going to make even a bigger mm-hmm. mess. So we took the chick feeder that has all the little holes and everything so that they can get their beaks in the water, but yet they can't get in it. And it's it's working good. And then we put a... Still smelly. Imagine how gross. It's like they create a paste. They do. Oh, of course they, they do. They are you. so gross. They can seal a pond. That's the whole deal. Like they can seal it's a really pond nasty. by their paste. Well, maybe, maybe on one of these summer episodes, we'll be able to tell you what's new on the homestead as a pond. Not so. related to the ducks, but just like, that's a little teaser for y'all. Okay, tell me what's growing in our garden, you handsome stud. I'm just excited about the zucchini. I really am because it comes so fast and it is so rewarding. Mm -hmm. And we have had very, 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 very little success growing zucchini (laughs) in It's pathetic how little success we've had. Houston just has crazy, crazy uh, vine bowers. And I want the fat. I want so much zucchini that what everybody says is in the country you end up going into run to the grocery store. You come out and there's a whole bunch of zucchini in your car because you know people that know you found you and they just threw their zucchini, zucchini in, in your, your cart. car. I want the extra zucchini for the pigs. So here's what I think is really funny: is we were vlogging at the time that we lived in Katy and we're growing our first garden, and. We tried growing zucchini multiple times, and the comment in the comments was, any idiot can grow zucchini. Now, it wasn't insulting. It was actually meant to be encouraging because, you know, we weren't big enough to have many haters at that point. But they're like, oh, you guys, you're going to do great with zucchini. Anybody can grow zucchini. And, you know, insert eye roll because I was like, y'all, we must be worse than idiots because we cannot get these zucchini to do anything. We would maybe have you know, 12 plants because we were trying to actually produce and we were learning from our lessons. Let's just put more plants out. In the second season, we realized it wasn't our lack of being any good at creating zucchinis. It was the vine borers found us every single time. And vine borers lay their eggs inside the zucchini stem, like not just of the of the fruit itself, but inside the plant. And then they eat their way out slowly slowly so like you don't even know so you think you might have like disease on your on your zucchini and the truth is no you really have pests that are very very difficult to regulate and they just destroy your whole crop so so far and it's like this giant worm it's really gross so thus far we have at least three that are growing and i'm stoked to put them with some sausage 
cook it outside on the camp stove so that I don't have to make any messes in my house. That's kind of giving me life in these hot months in the summer. And then see the rest of the fruit growing because so far the vine boars have not found us. And I was just at my friend Megan Orsag, who's at Lico Honey, and she pulled out two beautiful sized zucchini from her garden. And I was like, you are my inspiration. I'm going to be. She already has zucchini? Yeah. Well, they had some starts oh, earlier they, they in the got, season. Got, yeah, I remember So that. I was super stoked to see Good hers. And you. I was like, all right, your garden is growing. I'm going to believe it for my garden to keep growing. And the zucchini are going to be legit. I want it for everything. Like I want to waste nothing in the garden. And it won't be because we've got these other animals that we can feed. But that idea of being able to really take this elusive food and do something with it. You kind of feel like you're kicking vine boars in the butt. Take that, vine boars. Okay, babe. Every time I say babe, I think of I think of arguments from when we were first married. Babe. You know, because when you love somebody, if they're going to use your first name, like it's kind of like your kids getting their full name called. Like if if Bo says Kelly, I'm a little bit nervous about what comes after that. So in love, I'm going to say, hey, babe, let's talk about the art of our story from suburbs in Houston. I mean, like we were Tamagotchi Pizza Hut Book Club, 90s kids, grew up in the suburbs, ready to get our personal pan pizza when we hit those eight books, right? Let's. So here's the deal. We <laughs> both grew up in suburbia. Right. There is, we, there are people that, like the, Justin, who says, Justin Rhodes, who says that he's like a fourth generation, or, or no, his kids are fourth generation right. milkers, yeah. hand milkers. Like that's insane to me. That you and I have zero, <laughs> zero. Like I, I would imagine. We do not that exaggerate our, when we use the term zero. I, I would assume that probably our great grandparents had something to do with some kind agriculture of agriculture somewhere. Because because I mean that's just but where my great grandparents were like in my line was like from Antigua, like maybe plantation farmers. Way, way back, like Grandma Kelly. Like, that's how from, long. From where? Antigua. It's like British Isles. Holy So cow. this is like way, way back in my family line. Like, and you, I don't even know that you could say they were farmers. We really probably should learn that a little bit. But for now, I would say we are first gen farmers. So, there is so no one else in our line. Nothing. On no, my side. grandparents, no way. My grandfather was like, a Vietnam, no, he was like a Korean war vet. So okay. yep. this is like, we have military background. I'm sure they'd seen farms. <laughs> but like, I never went to visit any family on a farm ever, or even friends of family. What about gardeners? Farms. Did any of them garden? Absolutely not. Okay, so so I at least have that. So I have right? my father's parents. Mm-hmm. I always say, Ollie, buddy, pop, pop would love you. I mean, he would love all of our, his he great. He would connect grandkids. particularly well with Ollie. Because it is just that 
so my grandfather raised worms, mm-hmm. not for farming, like not for verma composting, but he did it for fishing. Mm-hmm. Um, he was a big uh, fisherman. They they built a lake, and he and he built. So that's one right. thing. I guess uh, as I'm, we're talking this through, um, we're, we're realizing some things. And you come from a whole line of entrepreneurs, people Correct. who ran their own businesses. Pop was yeah. My grandfather was uh, self employed. Uh, entrepreneur for sure and um and uh my grandma my my dad's mom she worked for uh my grandfather and she canned oh yeah she she also Mm -hmm. she didn't do it in the end of her life when we had started canning but she had stories about like yeah well you know you couldn't just go get it from the grocery store sure and part of the reason you couldn't get it from the grocery store was because there was no demand. Everyone was doing it themselves. Mm-hmm. When they and they, so I would assume that your grandparents lived through through the Great Depression. Mm-hmm. Also, um, I know that my grandparents on my dad's side, my I, I love you know my my mom's family. It just I, I'm not as close with them as I was with my dad's. So knowing the details exactly. is a little bit fuzzy. Exactly. Yeah. So so I, I I pretty much focus on on my dad's, but they they garden. They had a big garden out and uh, at their lake right. house. So they built this lake house uh, in Lake Livingston, and and they had a decent size lot. It was probably like a half an acre lot, uh, not including the the pier, like the 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 lake access. And they had a decent sized garden from one I remember. But I do remember this worm farm that was an elevated, it was like our elevated garden beds. Sure. I don't know how he did it because I really want to, I want to like rebuild it somehow. I wish you could see some pictures of it. I know. It was just super, super cool. But he had black soldier flies in there. He had grubs in there. He had uh, red, like it was all kinds of life in this thing. And oh, it was so cool. And it was what I I remember it being about the size of this table. Wow. So, you know, a good like like eight eight, feet. Yeah. And so it was, it was really cool. And just, I mean, and it was up so you could like get in there and and look. And so we would just, we would go take like an old yogurt uh, scooper and just got scoop the soil up and bam, you ready, you go fishing. Uh, You go uh, uh, bait the trot line. That's cool. uh, And the lake. So, I think there's a lot of that. There was the explore, exploration of the lake mm-hmm. that that was always a part of me to where kind of like where the boys when we, you know, they just want to go explore An adventure. in the forest. Yeah. That was there. So me and my cousins, we would all go and do that in the forest of Lake Livingston. And because Lake Livingston is a, a state park. Cool. So there was that. But my parents completely, especially my dad. 180. Uh, w- like rejected yeah any of that because my uh his parents did live on about one and a half acre property and they had some horses but they didn't really do any kind of homesteading thing they were in real estate so it wasn't anything like what we do now like Mm -hmm. they didn't have any animals or chickens or anything but he completely rejected anything like that and went Mm -hmm. 180 and uh suburbia and just one you know small acreage you know swimming pool everything and i don't want to yeah. say anything bad about the life that i grew up on but that's just kind of where we are and that's a big popular move like that wasn't just a siloed thing or one time instance for your parents that was really typical across the entire nation that suburbs became a thing HOAs became a thing. These mini cities outside of large cities became a thing. So we really, we got like in history of time, we got this um, arch from 
rural and city life to the suburban bridge between the two of them. And everything is appealing about the suburbs. Even we have talked about this, you know, the convenience of a store right down the street, the convenience of snap right there built in community, right? You're going to see neighbors, especially, you know, your folks address where they're right on a little, a little circle, a cul-de-sac. All the neighbors began, neighborhoods began to be built in this way where we weren't just using roads to pass through, we were using roads to arrive home. And then those homes were all, you know, barbecues in the middle of the road, like very, you know, 1980s movies. That was what was happening when we were very, very small. And I think the jobs had moved out of the cities where where they were accessible. It wasn't just entrepreneur on your own or work for a big corporation. It was branching out to where the jobs existed in the suburbs and it was a promise of less danger than a city life. It was it was just a lot more security and a different type of community than what I would call true community, but that was the move across the entire nation at that time. So it wasn't a, you know, something that a mistake or, you know, just an anti move that your folks made. This was the whole trend. Exactly what you're saying. There was more freedom in the suburbs. Oh so, my goodness! So think yes. of uh, Stranger Things or right. Super Eight, like all of these uh, ET. Those that's not really a throwback, but think of these eighties, either movies that were made in the eighties or movies that threw back mm-hmm. to the eighties. Guys, that was our life. So for y'all that are you Riding, know ten years younger yes. than us, it's, it's a little bit different for you. Riding those your that, bike two miles away to go to the to the pool i did that when i was like five you know like things the freedom that we had at this time i remember going down to like we lived in virginia at the time and there's this place called hidden pond and it was a nature conservatory and you we would just go down there when we were very very young like second grade all alone with no one around us and that was just our life so we were 100 percent city kids with no rural or gardening or any kind of experience or really exposure for some reason my mother is like this trash gardener she is like a backyard wizard i don't know how she does this she but that's she does it on an accident yes she's just like oh let me do that little science experience experiment with an avocado pit and then she grows legit avocado trees. A fifteen that foot av- avocado. Now, she has two. Yeah, so they're in they're in uh, Pasadena. Houston. Yeah, like so South Houston. So it's closer to Galveston. You can do things like avocados. It's more tropical. But that's I mean, they, she has a grape tree. She has a lemon and lime tree. But she an would have tree. like a papaya tree come out of the crack in her sidewalk, and she would somehow. But it's based off of just throwing food yes. into this little like it's all their entire backyard is all pool deck. Exactly. And so there's these couple of like small spots where there actually is dirt. Like three foot square spots. So and she she has squash growing everywhere just because she throws. Now, here's the deal. She has a decent amount of cats that live on their property. And so the, there is no rodent. That That's will true. ever dream of coming onto this property because they're going to get eaten by these in a second. Yes, these cats that that just live on there. My mother likes cats, and that's just it. But 
she can grow some things. She grows what she, she doesn't grow what she wants. She just grows what she throws out there. So that was, but she also, whenever I was in college, I moved and whenever I would come back to visit, she had like a big old, you know, veggie garden. She was growing a lot of tomatoes. So there's a little bit of that, that I would like to be able to grab onto that. I, I, I saw some of the possibilities but it still was never something like this, like growing meat. If that's what you thought of, I never heard that. I've never heard, even until this moment, how you have referenced that that was an influence in your life. And I'm not saying it wasn't. Maybe this is like a revelation, but I've never heard you talk about your mom's garden in a way that would be like, this influenced me in I an do not impactful be- way. I'm not saying n- nothing against you, mom, if you listen no, to this. I'm no. not saying that, but I... I just talking it out loud. No, what is you're saying though that, is like you're recognizing here that correct. that was a presence, that was an influence, and I'm I'm interested because I've never heard you say that in a way that was like directly lining. Oh yeah, my mom gardened. I always thought that happened as we were adults. It most college, mm-hmm. so yeah, it did. There was not not none of this was bef- none of this was whenever I was in high school. So there, I mean, it is, it is, you know, early adult, uh, you and I first meeting and dating, that's whenever a lot of this started happening. By the time we were dating, my parents were still living in DC because my dad was in the army. So you're growing up in this one house your whole life, totally foreign to me because I moved every two years. And in that, I mean, I don't know that my mom wouldn't have gardened, but she didn't garden. Um, other than like what we would do to like beautify our property or something like, like, you know, the, around the house, like gardening with flowers and, you know, things like that that make it look pretty. But we had people at one point in our, in my dad's career where like that was their job was to maintain. And then that was a very easy transition when we were adults and married because we had somebody who was cutting our lawn for us and Katie, like we did. And, and part of that was wisdom it was like hey I can pay someone I can help them have an income and that frees me up to do more of what only I can do which would be you know creating YouTube and selling oils and things that were like our specific business versus us running a lawnmower and an edger every week just to keep up with the Joneses well whenever you do that it takes more time to clean up the mess of running the of, of mowing your yard then it does actually doing it. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing is you can't just mow it and leave all the trimmings of the lawn there. Right. You have to blow it off. You have to like, and we didn't have a blower back then. So I would sweep it up and bag it. It was. But Katie was the place to cut teeth. Like for us, we had babies there. We had our community there. We learned so many different things there. And one of them was homesteading. Because you just saw an article in Modern Farmer and was like, yeah, I could do that. Not Modern Farmer. It was, uh, it was uh, Mother Earth News. Mother Earth so News. So I'm going to tell that story. Yeah. So the story, so Kelly, so we had had two kids by then. Mm-hmm. And we had Everett and Ollie. And Kelly would be saying, hey, I, I, I kind of want to do a vegetable garden. <laughs> and I was like, okay, go ahead, do it. Like I, I was just had no. Yes. There was it, it, it beyond. Yeah, like, whatever, babe. Go I for was it. never against anything, but it was so beyond against something that it would. There was not even a registry. I knew that you had talked about it, but not 
to the point that until I actually, we actually started ours that I mm -hmm. knew it. So that's where we were. I was the video geek. I, you were, um, you were a full-time mom, yep. uh, staying at home and I was working at the church as a video director. Uh, then I also freelance as a video producer and we just full on video geek in suburbia. Just full on. Full on. And so it was, I think, December of 2013, or was that 2012? Yeah, 12. So it was it was right whenever we first started doTERRA, like mm -hmm. very, very beginning of like this. get your first order. Exactly. And in that same week, week, that same Christmas trip at your parents up in North Dallas, your mom for Christmas bought your brother right. a Mother Earth News magazine. Which is hilarious because that she would do that because he would care less about what is in Mother Earth yeah, I think news. Yeah, we just thought it was like outdoorsy. My brother's very outdoorsy, and she was just like, "Hey, I think he'd be into this." Yeah, and and he, I don't Little even know. Little did she know. I had no. She, I don't even ever. I never saw him even look at the magazine. Not not anything against Noni because it completely has changed our entire life. Yes. This one magazine. So I hope Noni, if you listen to it, like. I, you know you, this. You, you, this was it. You're the it one. It was all you. you. She is the one. So this magazine had, it's had a center spread. Like that's yeah. really weird me saying that, but it really had hey, this. Hey girl. It, and it was a article out of the, um, this sustainability book. I'll have to, I'll have to look at it. It's, it's in the house. We own it, but we can link the show notes. to that. Book. Yeah. Yeah. I forgot what it is. I've talked about it on the channel before, but basically it is this article and this image, this picture of a sustainable one acre farm and lights went on just like that. It all changed everything. Mm -hmm. And, and it, Going from the extreme video geek that watched nothing but how-to videos on how to do motion graphics and, and new lenses and everything to this wannabe farmer. I even bought you a subscription to the Mother Earth News. And in the in the name of it, I wrote Future Farmer Bo. Yes. And it it it, it could only been God. Yeah. No, like there's no other way that 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 would have done it. So I mean, it just was. I think it, as drastic as the 180 we talked about our parents doing, that was as drastic a 180 in an instant that we did. I mean, I, it just began a cascade effect on all areas of our life. And it's so much so that I don't. I feel like I don't need to apologize to you because of how 180 your life changed. Then because it really is God's fault. Because there's, it's just no, your life. I feel you, like fault is the wrong word, babe. You're going to hell for that one. Well, I'm just, I'm saying like, like in a good way. Like, yeah, it was, it was just God shifting. Because it's weird for you. Like God, God has given you this, this uh, uh, ability to adapt to our lives yeah. so well and stretch you and challenge you, but also make it easy of being married to me. I know it's crazy. I don't think I could handle stagnant life if we had stayed as things were like I had to move furniture every week in Katie just to like get that 
energy out. Like I was a transient kid. So even in college, it was like, you know, you move in and out every year. And for me to go home to different family or not families, that'd be funny, but different houses based on, you know, where my parents were living, I was just true life. And so in Katie, when I would get that itch to like move, I would move furniture. I don't move furniture here. You just move fireplaces. I move fire pits. I move animals. I rotate chickens. I move a lot of things here that have nothing to do with furniture. And my, I guess I have seven acres of moving alive furniture like chickens. But that was that was a big shift for us. And the garden got done. I think that's where most people who want a homestead begin. And we didn't begin with expensive gardening. We had cinder blocks. We talked to your family members who live out on a farm. They um, they said, just take the bags, open up the bags, and let that be the base of your garden. And this is how we began, was a backyard garden where we grew okra and tomatoes. We grew some herbs like basil. We grew uh, radishes and and I think some beans or peas. And that was all we did in this cinder block garden bed, which was about... I think it was about 12 feet long and it was three and a half feet wide. We grew eight foot tall tomato. We grew plants. eight foot tall tomatoes. At one point we had some um, disgusting vining cucumbers. They were just absolutely terrible tasting. I built an obelisk. An obelisk. It was two of them. Yeah. And we the- built those. I don't even know if they actually vined anything. But that is where most people begin is like you know, a tomato and herb garden in their back porch. So we had that and and eventually, unintentionally, we started transforming that back lot into our version of what we saw in the magazine. And then we're like, ooh, I don't think this is going to work. So at the end of our homesteading in the suburbs, we had rabbits that we were breeding that we were selling as pets to other people we were not eating them but that's what we were doing in katie was cultivating these skills because the knockdown drag out fight that we had was Bo being so desirous for his dream of homesteading to become a reality that he had kind of already begun leaving the suburbs and running away from the HOA and running away from the traffic and running away from this tiny lot and all of the limitations that we had on it that he just kind of had gone mentally like his brain was already gone well, well, and yeah. we were still in in the Katie and there was one point where I remember just sitting on our bed crying now and I cry at everything. So you guys don't know me that well yet, listener, but I cry at everything. But I'm crying in my underwear at my husband saying, "If I'm really honest about my fear here, I am afraid that you want to leave so badly that you would sell this house without my even consent and you would be ready to pack us up and move because all of your dreams include these great ideas that you have." And none of them have listed your family. And by that time, we had four kids or three kids. I was pregnant. I was hella pregnant. You kind of glossed over a whole lot there, babe. Like you went from garden all the way. Like you. Well, so we didn't. If we told every day's story, we'd be here for 10 years. I know we got to go sort of fast, but you got to fill in some gaps. 2015, we bought 
this this property. Seven acres in Central Seven Texas. A- correct. I thought that the world was going to end. That's a whole nother podcast. Well, but it is true. And Bo befo- went crazy. But hold on. Before, actually, even before then, I quit my job. God called me out. Right. Away from working at our church. That was another thing where Kelly had to be adaptable is we were able to build up um, doTERRA enough. And we'll go over more of that about having to like learning how to quit the rat race. Right. But we were able to, I, I came home and we thought, I thought the world was going to end. Kelly did not think that the world was going to end, but she, <laughs> but she was on board with thinking, Hey, that there's some things changing here in 2015. And really we, we what we didn't mm-hmm. know was that we needed to be here for this in new, 2020. for this. Yeah. For this new community of returning to the land. But we needed to, we, we bought the land. And so in suburbia, we had this property that I had a semi midlife crisis a little bit of thinking that, that I was just going to sell our house and live in a 10 person tent that I bought from Walmart with all our babies. Well, we had three babies at the time then. And I was pregnant. Correct. No, you were not pregnant then. No, because... In 2015 is where you're still at. This was before we started the YouTube channel. Gotcha. Uh, we, we had... And then we ended up having some financial issues because of all of this. Like, it was... Because of all your prepping. Because of buying things that at the time made no sense. I would say that we wasted probably $200 of things that did not make sense. And the bulk of it was on food. Because whenever we hit some financial issues, we ate <laughs> all of that prep food. food. I remember, like we we did not, we mm-hmm. only were we were only spent like two or three hundred dollars on groceries for two months yeah. straight, like each month, and so that was a huge, huge uh, discount of like <laughs> oh, that's not a discount. That's a huge savings of our normal monthly budget usually. So we were able to really survive off of that, and that's where a lot of Preppers say that, you know, storing food is a good investment because you can always eat your investment. But I It was the mental game that was off. And what I'm saying about is the suburban family, you being the suburban family, like that that are listening to this and thinking that like the people that watch our video of the 750 day time lapse, the people that say, you know, I've given up on this dream of homesteading, but- watching this video has given me hope that if you, a normal family can Mm -hmm. do this, then I can do it too. That's, I'm speaking to you right now of like saying, if you're feeling like this dream might not ever happen, please know we were right there. I was right there. If, If you're thinking, how can I convince my spouse to do this? We were right there. We, we ended up having to go to counseling. Yep. We were close to I'm a pro, proponent of marital counseling. Absolutely, like maintenance on your car, man. Don't wait till it's too late. Yeah. So there was the, this moment that Kelly was just now talking about. Mm-hmm. I remember thinking, "Here, this is what I'm going to do." I was listening to Jeff Lawton. I was watching YouTube videos of Jeff Lawton and permaculture and all this stuff. I was on the regenerative agriculture group, listening to uh, Jack Spierko. All of these personalities that i'm sure that uh some of y'all have heard of or listened to uh i don't know if i was i don't justin rhodes hasn't hadn't started his youtube channel just yet but i was gaining all of this 
sustainability, regenerative agriculture knowledge to saving the world and growing food for, for I would say for God and for people just to be able to convince my wife. And I, I remember we, I'd written a lot of these things down and I brought it to you in a, in, in a heated moment. And I've learned a lot about how to bring information to <laughs> my wife. And I did this whole spiel of trying to convince convince me. you. And here's the deal. Well, hold on, hold on, hold on. I but was already on board. I know you were. I will know you were. We already had a plan of like within, you know, three to five years that we would do this. And I was so impatient, so, so impatient to where I listed all of these things. And what you said was, that's great, but... We're you- not in any of it. And that was the first realization. It took uh, it took one more catalyst for us to be able to do that. But that was the first realization that I was not right. Right. I was not in the right mind. Nothing like like scared like mentally, but it was just I was not in a good place at all. I was not content. I was. I was trying to run away from whatever was going on in, in the suburbs. Was, something was rubbing you wrong and you were just avoiding it. And the avoidance looked like, oh, let's just move out on these seven acres as quick as possible. And we're going to make the world a better place. And so somehow had some work to do. Exactly. Yeah. So somehow from there, we ended up, you, we, we were, we were ready to sell the house. This is the summer of 2017. Yeah, so you fast forwarded about two years. Well, we started a YouTube channel, all this stuff. Yeah, we we got in a better place. We went to counseling and we got better. We had a, another baby. Not to well, say. Well that, well, that was the thing is we were ready to, we were thinking we were going to do it. The summer of 2016. And then you got pregnant. That fall. And then that was really you getting pregnant was the first like that was uh, that was god reorienting you correct so then we spent about a year after we got pregnant well i guess those nine months really and a little bit before rent we were in a very healthy place obviously when we got (laughs) pregnant and and what it did was cause us to just push pause on our moving forward plans because if finley hadn't come along it's very possible we would have sold our house for less money moved into a camper, lived on our property and built as we could. But that was like a mercy from God to do a lot of things in us. Like we had some very firm conversations of like, yeah, we can go homestead, but if you can't fix a disposal here, like I don't have much faith in you being able to wield a chainsaw and build something out there. So maybe do a little with what you have here. And that was mostly like training us in responsibility. We lived in apartments where landlords took care of everything. We rented a house and a landlord took care of everything. We owned the house and then we took care of everything or we didn't. And that was the real problem was how many unfinished things we had done where when we visit that conversation here on the homestead now, years later, that's not an unfamiliar thing. Like you understand my expectation that if we begin a project, we finish it. And when we get a backup of projects that are all half begun and none done, we've already established that this is 
there, there's going to come a point where we got to course correct and finish all these things before we can move on to the next big thing. And it's also had me trust that you see that you're not ignoring me. You're not bulldozing me where we are a team that we are all on this same vision toward sustainability through community and establishing a life that we couldn't give our kids if we stayed in the suburbs. Those are all like core values that we have as family. But when we were in Katy, we finally got to the point before we sold the house where we weren't running from the suburbs, we were running to the homestead. So our hearts and our minds really had to shift. We had to embrace a lot of humility things that we did not know and we had to acknowledge we just don't know everything and either search it out or ask people like critical people in our lives at that time were Art and Brie who sat and had homestead conversations with us about YouTube via Skype at the time. This was years ago. I think I've told Brie this that it was so uh, pivotal for me to have like someone speak into us and believe that like you can do this. You can do this. And the roads for sure, just giving us trust and even like real life conversations sitting around a pool while our kids played, like those were pivotal moments for us. The haulers, you know, Meg and Ben selling their house when we were trying to sell our house, like she and I are Marco Poloing back and forth, just like she was so encouraging, like Kelly, this house sale fell through, but this is going to happen for you when it's supposed to. And then them coming out here and putting their hands on our home as we built things was just like, there was a, there was like little drops in a bucket of promise that God was giving us. Like these are, this is going to be the faithfulness walk. This is going to be like fruit that comes over time. Nothing in this is going to be instant. Just be faithful in walking each step that I show you. And not only will you have unshakable, incredible community, but you will have people who are going ahead of you to help teach you what you're going to need to know. So that was all very reassuring. Us being pregnant with Finn slowed us down. Then not selling the house in 2017 because of Hurricane Harvey. That did everything because we already had Finn by then. Oh, yeah. And we, we were doing the YouTube channel. And so we were able to document a lot of this. It was a very, very, very long uh, story on YouTube because a lot of the p- other people were just documenting documenting it on As that day. Yeah. Like, like, like we're moving to our property now, which is probably a better it's a better way to run a YouTube channel. You you lose less people, but but we did it differently, and we had it the whole story of years, like it was probably like two and a half years of doing that and not selling because of a repair that had to happen. It helped me slow down so much to where I was grateful. I It was a really strange season to watch you walk through because it was so, I don't want to say it was the opposite of you, but your tendency is to create and to envision and to never look back. And this was a season of appreciation and looking back and savoring and not just being a head vision. It was like it was like you were sure, like this is coming. 
Mm-hmm. I'm going to be moving here. This is going to be a major life shift. And without ever saying it, it was like that landed in you and just took root. So you were settled and peaceful enough to pay attention in all the other places. I just remember we focused on doTERRA then. Yep. We did not as many videos. We played Legos with the kids. We just we ate were, pizza in the park like yes. once a week. We 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 really did what what would you call it? Like it was six months it of It was our goodbye semester. Yeah. Yeah, we were able to just saying really... goodbye to Katie mm-hmm. and being grateful for all that we had learned there and, you know, casting our vision to our friends and saying, this is what we're going to go do. And most of them being just like, wow, that's in a good way, insane, but also so different from the lives that they were, that they had for their families. It was just a very um, loving, but firm ending of a season. And I feel like when you trust God in his perfect timing, things work out the best. Better than you could ever imagine. Because better than what you, if you were in a store full of endless possibilities and you picked out the one that looked best for you, God's timing is always going to be immeasurably more than you could ask or imagine. Because... The timing was just perfect. It was. It was It was way better. And with Hurricane Harvey, I, I hate to say it, I mean, a lot of people lost their homes. They yeah. all got flooded. And those property values might not ever come back to what they were prior because you know that a 100-year flood can take it out. Mm-hmm. And any house that did not flood went way up in value, mm-hmm. which meant that we were able to get an additional... $20,000 on our home sale and it's just unreal. And, it's and unreal. that we had been faithful in paying our mortgage. So Correct. the equity yes. was there. Well, we were on a, we, we, we were on a 20 year. Well, but to be clear, mortgage. Harvey happened in, in August of 2017. And we tried to sell the house three months later. We had buyers. We had two buyers straight up get all the way to the end process and then we did not sign the papers because of the buyers. And that was very disappointing. There are whole conversations that we can have on this podcast about um, setting our expectations and then having to adjust because they didn't happen, but we didn't quit. Like we didn't lose sight of the vision for moving to this property. Like we just knew that we knew quite confidently and God never gave up on that. But then this new buyer yeah. didn't even have to. We didn't even have to put the, car, the 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 house on the market. They they found the sign leaning up against the side of the house because was, we'd taken it down. Yeah, and we were get so we took the sign down when we decided, hey, we're going to take the holidays. And after this disappointment of two house sales falling through, we're we're going to wait and we're going to enjoy the holidays with our kids. And then we had birthdays in the spring, and uh, and we were getting ready to put the house back up. And the week before, this couple walked down the street and said, is this house for sale? And we said, well, it is, but we're not on the market yet. We'll be on the market soon. She took our number or took our number of our realtor and said, I'd like to contact your realtor and talk to her about this house. They never even came and walked the house until it was inspection time. And that saved, I mean, if anybody's ever shown a house with kids, we had very small kids at this time and 
every time we had had to leave the house was, I mean, we had over 30 showings, which is why we had such good Did you do the results. inspection without me that time? Oh, heavens. I can't even. That's a whole nother conversation. Where was I? Was you I shooting a, a wedding then? One time you were at Jack Spearco's. Yeah. And that was just like a story that ended in just misery. I think I ate all my feelings that day. But so all of that to say for you who are dreaming of this mm-hmm. in the suburbs, just to know that it's never It's never fa- linear. It's, it's never a straight line from where no. you are to where you want to be. And if it is, there's a really good chance that you're dealing with a lot of control issues, <laughs> like not to not to throw you under the bus. But the truth is, if you just had a straight line with, with no um, detours for growth, then yay for you, but most of us. To make a major shift in your life requires humility and learning of lessons that you couldn't get if you were going the straight line. We should probably link in the show notes a couple of videos that just show you like the timeline of us going from the suburbs to the homestead. There's for sure vlogs that we were doing at the time that were just individual. And I'm so grateful for that documentation. I don't know if anyone listening is like video creators or bloggers or something, but if you hesitate to write down your journey, I want to invite you to that because the commemoration of those moments will allow you to look back and appreciate where things are now and give you fortitude for where you're trying to go. So in the last three years now, um, we've been homesteading. And we've been homeschooling and every step and success that we have now, I can look back at the hardship that was a catalyst for that. I can look back almost at pinpoint moments. Like you said, Bo, I got this, this article in a magazine that didn't even belong to me and it changed the course of our family's life. Courses don't just change with ideas, they change with action. And for a lot of you who are listening, you are like us, gosh, six years ago. You were like us just thinking like, is this possible? And you might be driving around your area looking for property. Some of you will find that. Some of you will find a cool two to five acres just outside your city where you really don't have to have a lot of disruption in your life. But many of you are going to be called to totally different places and the adventure is out there. Our story is not going to be your story, but I hope that like as you collect all these different people's stories who have gone from the suburbs to the homestead, that you find your story and, you know, maybe a couple of friends too. So you can find us at Better Together Life on Instagram or I'm Kelly at Better Together Wife. On Instagram, you can also email us at bettertogetherlife at gmail.com and we'll see you on the next podcast.